genre. Welcome to the New Republic Archives, where we discuss the history and legends of a galaxy far, far away. I'm Tim Garcia. And I'm Gary Roby. And we're here with a deep dive episode. Hell uh, yeah. We're going to do a Rebels episode, which is... Gary, is this the first time we have returned to a thing that we have done before to do a different story within the same genre, within like the same... Uh, Tim, have we done a Rebels episode before? We have. Oh, we did. Yeah, we did. We did because we did the, um, we did the Maul Obi-Wan. Right. Fight. Yeah. So this yeah, is the second Rebels. Yeah, I think this Rebels. is the first time we've dipped back into the same piece of media for a different story. Right. And we're doing the same thing. We're only talking about one episode. Well, the, the Maul Obi-Wan. Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, I watched Rebels. all the other Maul stuff and I brought that to the table, but... That wasn't, we were just talking about that fight, basically. Right, 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 right. Uh, yeah. In, in, and we're doing the same thing here. We're talking about Trials of the Darksaber, which is um, Sabine Wren training to use the Darksaber, uh, setting up her eventual return to Mandalore. Um, right. Yeah. So, uh, Gary, what made us decide to pick this episode Uh, a couple different things i um for we talked about this a few months ago but when star wars celebration happened i got my very first tattoo my tattoo was the phoenix squadron logo designed by our heroine in this in this episode sabine wren um and i am currently rewatching rebels because uh ahsoka is coming at some point i do we still i don't think we even have a date for that yet um i believe they said early 2023 d23 was last weekend and uh we not only got to see um some new stills from the ahsoka show including uh sabine standing in front of the mural at the end that features all of phoenix squadron together um, but also we got a new teaser trailer for the third season of Mando. And the big thing that appears to be happening here uh, as we push into the new season of Mandalorian is that like as the new wielder of the Darksaber, uh, there is a legacy to be fulfilled and um, Mandalorian politics to deal with. Right. And uh, so because I've been watching Rebels, I told you, like, hey, like, we should talk about we should talk about some Rebel stuff. And uh, you were the one who actually suggested that we talk about this episode in particular. So a uh, couple things. One, yeah. uh, one of my favorite episodes of Rebels, period. It's fantastic. Um, I love this, too. Of the four of the four seasons. Uh, this is one of my favorites. Um, yeah. I love when Star Wars does very Star Wars things like this one does, but also has a very Star Wars message. 
um, which there's there's a, a, a lot of Star Wars stories that do either or, and there's a very few Star Wars stories that do both. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is one of those things that does both to me. Um, there's only, and I think I was um, hanging out with some friends today, um, and I was, I, I think I've said this on the podcast as well before, but there's only three movies, only three Star Wars movies to me in any way. Um, oh. and you can argue with me in, uh, on Twitter or wherever on, on there's Discord or whatever. Movies, there's 11 Star Wars movies, but there's only three total that are doing both Star Wars shit and have a Star Wars message at the same time. Sure. Yeah. It. You know, we can hearken back to the, I don't want to say original intention, because, you know, George Lucas had a lot of aspirations of putting Star Wars And together. I don't think he had an, an intention going into the original Star Wars. But we knew that he was very deliberately both drawing on, like, classic sci-fi serials, like Flash Gordon or whatever, but also was heavily inspired by, like, Joseph Campbell myth. And the hero's journey. And I think that, like, there is a nice blending. I would argue, I I don't know which three movies you think are the ones that do both, but I would argue that New Hope both has a good message, like a Star Wars message, and also theming. Before we get into this, which which three movies do you think have the strongest message? Yeah, because I have my three that I'm just, like, 100% certain... These are the I mean, ones think, that speak to me. I think it's hard to deny that New Hope has the most aspirational story and the, is the most tied to that idea of, like, the Joseph Campbell hero's myth. Um, On top of that, I kind of want to put Last Jedi on that tier because I am a big fan of that. And I also think that Ryan Johnson really understands, like, fundamentally, like, what Star Wars is and is deliberately subverting our expectations while still maintaining the heart of Star Wars. (sighs) What do I think the third one is? Uh... It sucks because, like, I want I want this to be clean and have a choice from every trilogy, but I'm not entirely certain that the prequels do it. I feel like I could make an argument for Revenge of the Sith, but I don't know if that's like a good argument or if it's self-indulgent. Because it is a failure. Ultimately, it is a it is the most tragedy of tragedies as far as Star Wars goes. Okay. Do you want my, my analysis? I would love your three. What are your, okay. yes, please. So a new hope. I love it. Yeah. Um, but to me, it's the most simple. This sure. is, it is no the hero's journey. There's no, like the but there's no message. It's the, mm. yep. Good guys win. Bad guys lose. Here's the simple story. I love that about it, um, but it's not, there's no, like, it's not trying to say anything more than that. Uh, you know, it's like, here's all the good guys, here's all the, here's all the bad guys. 
Empire is about growth. Sure. Empire is about, and so that's one of the ones to me. Is like it's about okay. like okay, you did all this great stuff, but how do you grow from that? Um, do you follow all your impulses? No, you don't follow your all your impulses. You stay. You learn. You figure it out. And if you do, look at how you mess up. Um, yeah. No. No. I hear you. I'm gonna let you keep going. It's the and it's. I feel like Yoda in a lot of these movies is the message throughout all nine uh skywalker sagas so in empire it's if you value what they fight for no you stay you learn because had luke not gone anyway i'm not gonna go into what if because we'll do another what if someday well yeah we'll Uh, do another what if sometime i'm sure um, eventually on a long enough time frame we'll actually talk about more of the mainline movies but uh, but yeah, so I feel like that's about how do you learn to grow and you don't follow yeah. your impulses. Uh, so like following this logic, I think like I would be shocked if Last Jedi is not one of your three on this list. OK, my other one is Last Jedi. Hell yeah. <laughs> Ring a bell here. I was right. All right. So Last Jedi is a movie about failure. Yes. Yes, that's the whole point. People are so mad about this movie because it's about... Fa- mm. Please. The movie continue. is about failure. The movie... that That's the whole point of the movie. Uh-huh. Literally every single character that you can, like, isolate in this movie has to figure out a way to deal with either their, their failure or the failure of someone close to them. Yes. Um, but with Luke, it's a hundred percent about his failure. It's about Poe's failure. It's about his, yes. It's about uh Finn's failure. It's about Ray's failure. It's about literally everybody's failure. It's about it, it, it's even about Kylo's failure. It's about failure. Kylo Ren's failure. Yes. It's about everybody's failure. Um, and as a baseball fan, which oh. is a sport where you fail seventy percent of the time and you're good. Yeah. 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 Uh, that spoke a lot to me because it's literally a thing where you it's like, look, you you're gonna fail a lot. Just go like hearkening back to what you said uh-huh. about like Yoda perspective being a fundamental point of growth and learning in the franchise. Like his whole thing in Last Jedi when he's talking to Luke, saying that no, they they your your students are going to learn from like your successes and your teachings and whatever, but well, failure also. Look, Yoda says in that I don't scene, have the quote in front of me, but Yoda says you didn't listen to what I said. Yeah, yeah. He said, "Pass on what what you have learned." Yeah, of course, you're going to learn all the flips and shit and all the cool Jedi shit, but failure. But failure also. Failure is the biggest thing that you're going to learn. Yeah. Um, and that's that's what um, I won't spoil because it's Scott's show. Yeah. Uh, but I was, uh, I just did a guest spot. Uh, I've subscribed to Dueling Genre and uh, follow Dueling Genre on Twitter and DuelingGenre.com because I will be on a future uh, episode of another Dueling Genre show. 
But I was just speaking with Scott on uh, another Dueling Genre show about scenes that completely pull together a story. Yeah. Um, yes. Okay. And and that scene to me, I didn't mention this on the episode, but the scene that we're talking about in the Last Jedi with Yoda and uh and Luke sitting on a log while yeah. the tree is burning in front of them. Um that is the linchpin scene of the Last Jedi. That's the one. I would That's agree the, with you. If that she, if that scene doesn't exist, the Last Jedi doesn't make sense to me. I would agree with you, a hundred percent. Um, and so what's your yeah. third movie? What's the third one here? Uh, my third movie is Revenge of the Sith. Ah, okay. I'm two for three. You are two for three. Revenge of the Sith to me is about what happens if you don't learn to let go. Yeah. Um, and I would argue that even A New Hope is touching on that because she's reminding, she remind, uh, I'm sorry, Leia reminds Vader about what happened in Revenge of the Sith. Or I'm sorry, she, she reminds Tarkin about yeah. what happens in Revenge of the Sith. The more you tighten your grip, the more systems will slip through your fingers. But that, what she just says there is the entire point of Revenge of the Sith. It's fascinating because you you you're totally right about the idea of like a failure to let go. Like that is Anakin's downfall and also the reason he remains stuck in his ways for the next two decades. Right. But it's also again, Yoda's the one that delivers the message in that movie as well. He's yeah. like, yes, of course. Like Mourn them, sure. Miss them. Don't, yeah, you can miss them, but like, don't like latch on to them. Don't yeah. let it consume you. And that's the whole thing that he started with, even with his mom in the previous movie. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's the whole thing with Padme. It's it the whole off. thing with, it's, yeah. it's, it's what can complete consumes him. The more he holds on as like, I can't let go. I can't let go. I can't let go. I can't let go. Don't let me lose this he causes the thing that he's worried about poor sweet boy that just like wants happiness for himself and the people around him. But it's a selfish happiness. It is. It's yeah. And that's why he fails. Right. And it's, it's the same, it's the same failure that Luke has in last Jedi is the, like he has seen what, this failure can bring and thus he has this moment of weakness that then causes the fall of his nephew it's heartbreaking and and you're right like i think that this episode that we're talking about to like right. pull us all Let's the way back, pull to it rebels, back to rebels because i was thinking is the same thing. also dealing with the same sort of thing this inability to let go or move past a failure in the past that is now defining who this character is today. So it's, it's that from multiple characters perspective. Yeah. In yeah. My opinion. It comes together in a couple different ways because we not only get like Sabine 
not able to find balance and wrestling with this thing in her past, but it's also Kanan and his inability to recognize that, like, he needs to give her more leeway. Right. In this training, because him not trusting her to be able to do this thing is also holding her back. So it's, yeah. So I 100% agree with that. So that's kind of what I love about this episode. And then on top of that, uh, you you toss in your Fenral. Uh, oh, Fenral's oh, Fenral's so. Good. But you know, you 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 add another perspective. Um, and then you add your so you add the so you, so you really what the episode is about before we get into yeah. the nitty gritty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's. Um... It's about Kanan versus Sabine, right? And I I, I mean sure. versus in a tug of war. So they, they want to yes. pull in the same yes, direction. Yes, yes, yes. But the way they want to do it is tucking against each other because that's the characters that they are. So you've got Kanan and Sabine, and then you've got two other characters helping them. Helping. Fen really, Rao two other characters Ezra. watching. So you've got Fen Rao, the Mandalorian. Yeah. And you have Ezra, the Jedi, which is such a, like, God, Dave Filoni. Well, and it's fascinating, right? Like, because, like, Ezra, Ezra, the Jedi, but, like, it's easy for him to be more like he is there to help and support Sabine in the like, I know that Kanan isn't the best teacher or like is a, is someone that I struggle against. I had this problem with him, too. But he means well, he's doing the best he can. And then you can go you can go all the way back. You can like take that a step further and consider that Kanan was a child when he lost his master and is just doing the best he fucking can. Right. But also Fen Rao is doing yeah. the, this is the Mandalorian way. You know how to fight. He's, he, like, he was the, the... the the protector of Concord Dawn. Right. The the moon in which the Death Watch arose, right? right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my my whole thing is you have Sabine in the middle. Yeah. Being pulled almost equal parts by these characters. And uh they do the they do a little history of the Darksaber, right? So let's 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 oh get into God. it. Can we talk about this really incredible like I am always a fan of when a show or movie or whatever decides that they're going to give you a history lesson and we're going to stylize it completely different. Can we talk about Tarvisla? So, so let's, let's, before we get to Tarvisla. Sure. Yeah. Let's let go me just, all the way back. Let me just talk a minute about uh-huh. how cool it is that a Star Wars show, which is a show about magic light swords, um, literally decides that, you know what? We've had, what is it? So at this point, it's what, 2016, 2017 when this episode comes out? That sounds about right. So, somewhere around there. Um, we've had about 40 years of magic light swords. Yeah. Let's, let's completely restart and tell a new story about this magic light sword and make a new magic light sword legend. Because yeah. the original point of 1977 was supposed to be like Excalibur. Like, yes. it's a magic light sword that I'm giving you, Luke. Um, and we're in 1977. And this is, you know, giving this farm boy Excalibur, basically. And now we're in 19, 
I'm sorry, we're not in 19. We're in 2017. And we're giving this new sword, this magic sword property, which is such a classic fantasy thing. Right? Yeah, we never... Did Clone Wars ever give us, like, the history of the Darksaber in this way? They did. So Pre Vizsla told the story of the, you know, whatever, first Mandalore or whatever. The first Mandalorian Jedi. Right. But I feel like Kanan telling this to Fen'Ral, the way he's reacting to it is makes it makes me think that it's not a commonly known thing. Sure. It's also, it's interesting because we're getting it from a different perspective. It's one thing to hear the story from the mouth of Pre Vizsla, and another thing to hear it from Kanan. Right. It's, uh, it's, but he does recognize the story, so... Yeah. Fenron knows symbol of the House Vizsla, and then... Uh, Kanan hands it directly to, to Fenrau. Yeah. Um, and then they talk about Tarvisla, like you, like you said. Mm-hmm. We get this really sort of stylized art, uh, Which this I love. silhouette of Tarvisla as, uh... Don't we get something like this in Mandalorian? It's, it's something like this, I feel like. You know, I was also thinking about this. There are similarities that I can point to between this episode and... And the Mandalorian. But I don't know that we get this story quite to this degree. But if anyone tells this story, it's the armorer, right? In yeah, Mando? yeah, yeah. Um, the thing that this makes me think of more than anything else is um, there's a bit of... Um, <laughs> There's a bit in one of the in like one of the last Harry Potter movies where they're talking about it might be like the last one or the second to last one where they're talking about the Deathly Hallows. And we like cut to this really stylized silhouetted version of these characters as they um, talk about the different things that they got from death. And this is the first time that we see like the elder wand and the resurrection stone and the cloak of invisibility that comes from death himself. And it's really fascinating because what we get with Tarvisla is that he was the first Mandalorian Jedi, which is really interesting because like, I don't see Mandalorians as a separate race from like other common humans in star Wars. But this is the first time that like, a he- are the, okay. I guess my first question is, are the Mandalorians human? Which we can get to. But, like, this is the first time that someone from this race has been inducted into the Mandalorian Order and accepted into the Mandalorian Order. I think that there is, like, a mutual thing happening here because I don't think that Jedi take kids against the will of their parents. It seems to me that there's, like, an agreement happening there, uh, which we could get into at a later date, but... Um, Tarviz is the first Mandalorian Jedi, and he constructs the first, he constructs the darts, dark saber, which is so, a lightsaber that is completely unique to anything we've ever seen before, because it is a blade, well, like an actual, like, sword. Couple things. We'll uh-huh. learn more about how, 
Jedi's go from their family to the Jedi in uh, Tales of the Jedi coming out this October. I'm excited for this. But uh, which it I'm does... very hyped for. My um, understanding is that it's more of a mutual thing. It seems like more of a mutual thing. Secondly. Uh-huh. The, if we go by old canon, which is, again, old canon, not not current canon, um, the Mandalorians were very antagonistic to the Jedi. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, So yeah. pretty much everything they did was fighting the, the Jedi. The war between them is still canonical. Is it? Yeah, Kanan says in this episode that the Jedi won the war between the Mandalorians and the Jedi. Right. So the the like the fact that the the mandalorian uh, or you know this is a moment of mutual it's maybe almost this like is the, the first marriage. the war is over and now we are yeah it's uh, the marriage it to a, end the war of the roses yes is the yes. is the the that that um mandalorian and so tarvisla built yeah. the dark saber right and then upon his death, it becomes just like an artifact in the Jedi archive until Clan Vizsla goes and s- liberates it as uh, as uh, from the moon. Um, Fed Rao says. Right. Liberate from the moon. Yeah. So, yeah. So anyway, and it becomes like the symbol, right? Like Tar Vizsla's not the one who was the first Mandalore who like brought together all the clans of the planet. It was the, it was whoever claimed it after his death, who like liberated the blade from the Jedi. Right. And remember the, the crew of the ghost got it from Maul. From Maul. On Dathomir. Um, I was thinking about this. I was also thinking about this, right? Like this is something that comes up in the next episode, which we didn't watch. Well, which we, we didn't watch for this episode in particular, but like I have seen recently and um, the whole thing with the Darksaber is that it's supposed to be claimed in battle. And that's not how Sabine got it. Right. Like, right, right, right. Ezra won that fight, but he's not a Mandalorian. And he gave it to her. Right. Which is, you know, the crux of everything. Is the crux of everything. And is also the problem going forward. Like... If we want to take that step further, the end of the next episode, which is the episode in which she goes back to her family on Mandalore, she decides to stay with her family like we find we get the death of Gar Saxon and she declares there that like she doesn't believe that she's the one to lead the new Mandalore, but she'll find the person who will. And we know that that is going to end in failure. Right. Which is fascinating to me, Tim. I need to see the fight between Bo-Katan and Moff Gideon at some point. We will. I feel like we will. Do you right? think it's going to be like a flashback in season three? Like Maybe not in season three. Yeah, maybe we'll not see in it. season three. We'll see it. It'll happen eventually. But like, it's, I think it's an essential point in the story of the legacy of this blade and of the rule of Mandalore. I mean, we got, um, not to jump ahead, but we, we definitely get, like, anime chibi rebels in this episode. So, we'll we'll get literally anything we possibly want yeah. out of sure. Dave Filoni. He'll give it to us. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. Anyway. So, 
So the reason that they, it's kind of like, it's kind of fucked, but the reason that Kanan wants to give Sabine this weapon is that so she can raise an army to help the rebel cause. Yeah. And uh, I like that it doesn't go Hera that Hera legitimately says that. Yeah. She says it like straight out. It's like pretty clear that the idea he so so Fen Rao says to Kanan that the person who wields the blade like it is a symbol to rally the Mandalorians together. And he says, you're talking about an army. And then they go to Hera and Hera's like, no, you have to train her to use this because we need them on our side. She's, I mean, Hera seems to be like, if I could train puffer pigs to like, (laughs) you know, fight the empire. But it's interesting. Hera's in a really interesting position here because on the one hand, yeah, it like, it's kind of manipulative, but on the other hand, she has the same familial experience. Exactly. And she even says that. So she says, so we don't know that at this point in the series. No, we haven't, we haven't met her family yet, but she legitimately says, trust me. I know. She like, legitimately like, like, I, I know what it's like to have this. She, she legitimately says that. Um, Have we not? I, I don't know. I have to, I'm I believe we do I not have full. Uh, we no, don't you're have right. Syndulla. Yeah, we know. We definitely haven't seen Champs and Dula because it doesn't come up until after. Even if we did, I don't Tarkin think we have the full Thrawn stuff. Yeah, Thrawn. Um, you're right. Which is that's when it really comes into to play. Um, yeah, that's yeah. Um, season four, I think. But yeah, so she she doubles down. She's like, "Yo, like, trust me, I, I get it." Like, yeah, yeah, I know what she's going through in a way that you never will, right? Even Ezra yeah. tells her, right, like when she's struggling, right, and she's talking about how she doesn't feel like she can go back to her family. Ezra tells her, "At least you have a family to go back to," and. It's supposed to make us upset for Ezra and make her feel guilty. It's kind of fucked up. It's kind of manipulative. That. Yeah. It's, it's it's also manipulative. But at the same time, like, he has no idea what that means. What her, the loss of her family was for her or the reason she's been, like, on the run or whatever. And we don't even get her talking about it. Until the end of the episode when Kanan has finally given her the blade and then like pushes her to open up about it. Right. Confronts her and and almost belittles her a little bit in order to make her open up. And of course, he loses that fight. Right. It's tough. There's a lot of like really raw emotion in this episode in a way that I really appreciate. Like. As someone who is a fan of the series and is a fan of this crew in particular, um, these characters have such rich and deep and emotional stories that just sitting down to watch this one 22 minute episode is still enough to get me like in tears because at the end, 
when when she does finally put words to the reason why she's been well, holding we'll get there. back. We'll, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. With the other. Yeah. 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 Fuck. So, uh, um, so yeah. So they 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 do kind of manipulate her into taking the saber. Do you disagree? Yeah, with that? she says she doesn't want it, right? Like Chopper comes, Chopper comes to her room on the ship, and we see the first version of the mural of the whole crew that she's painted on her right. ceiling, and she's like, "Who's all there?" And he replies, and she's like, "Oh, everybody," and she like feels the weight of it already. Like she knows what's coming, even though it's been. Who knows how long since the blade has been claimed and he she gave it to um, Kanan. Uh, there's a really cute moment here where she puts her hand on Chopper's on the top of Chopper's dome and he purrs. As a Chopper purrs. I know Chopper as a purr. He's a purr. Um, I do have a question because I didn't watch any of the episodes before this. Are we on Lethal? I feel like we're on Lothal, no. right? No, 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 no. This isn't Lothal. This is the planet that the Bendu's on, which is uh they're at Chopper Base, which is on I should know the name of this planet. I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up right now because that was my big question because I was like the Bendu's. It's here. not Lothal. It's definitely not Lothal. The Bender's the Bendu's not it's Adalon. It's where? Adalon. A-T-O-L-L-O-N. Uh. So that's where we get the Macquarie spiders and all that. Yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. Got it. Okay. Um, Adalon. So not Avalon, because that's a whole different. That's uh, a whole different thing, but we're still drawing on uh, that. Excalibur magic swords. Yep. And, yep. Yeah, got it. Yep. Um, the fact that the Bendu's in this episode and doesn't speak a word upsets me. I want the Bendu um, to talk to Sabine. No, because we can do another episode on the Bendu. Um, yes, we can do another episode on the Bendu. We'll get there eventually. But also, I about, want the Bendu to talk um, to Sabine. Here's my thing. You can cut this out if you want. Um, when Tom Baker dies, we can do episodes on the on the Bendu. Oh. Tim, how dare you? It's going to be in like 30 minutes. Tim, how dare <laughs> If we end, if 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 he dies before this episode goes live, I'm going to personally come over there and hit you. <laughs> He's 88 years old. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. We have to talk about the Bendu itself. No, yeah, obviously. I'm just saying. Do you think the Bendu's ever going to show up again? No. How would he show up? I mean. We're not doing any. I mean, unless he showed up in the freaking um, Bad Batch, we're not doing any animated stuff anymore, which is a bummer. But he's not going to show up in any of the live action stuff. As much as I love him. I love him, too. He's just such like. He'll show up in books. That's how he'll show up. Outside of the Mortis gang, he is the most forcey thing being that we've met. And I just. And we're moving away from forcey thing. I hate that. Yep. Like, 
I get it, but I hate it. I want more. I want more mythological nonsense. Okay. All Listeners right. anyway. can't see me shrug uh, the biggest shrug I can possibly yes, shrug. Yes, the biggest shrug I've ever seen Tim perform. But it hands way up in the air. Yeah, not my choice, but that's where we're going. I I want it, but yeah, we'll see. Um, um let give uh give C three PO force powers. Uh so that's where <laughs> that's where I live. Um, uh yeah, so so okay. Anyway, so uh, they, Sabine they accepts deliver. the dark saber, and now she's gonna train. She accepts it. She accepts it out of spite, right? Because because she's because been manipulated. Ezra's like, do you really think she could? Yeah, this episode is so full of manipulation, Tim. I kind of hate it. Anyway, she's been manipulated, and she's gonna fight with a stick now. Yeah. Because. So, okay, so they do the whole thing. There's, like, a long thing about, and I actually really like it, where it's, like, here's how you fight with the stick, which is classic, like, fighting with a stick like montage. It takes, 80% of this episode. Yeah, yeah, But there's a great scene where Hera contacts uh, Kanan and is, like, so are you being a dick with her with the stick uh, because you're being cautious or because she's a Mandalorian or because she's a woman. I mean, he doesn't say she's a woman, but like you kind of get yeah, that. Like this was the thing I felt. It totally feels like she's calling out his misogyny. It does feel like that. She doesn't say it. And he like. He's he like, doesn't have a good rebuttal, Tim. He's like, I'm being cautious. That's what he says. He's like, which is fair. Like, okay. Because you see how Ezra is, and he's a little bitch. Um, <laughs> I love look, when okay, he yeah. tells her that they're using the trial sabers, and she's like, those sticks you and Zeb made? Yeah. And look, Ezra kind of lords over her a little bit through the entire thing. He's not great. Ezra's not a great fighter. But he loves no. being like, this is how you fight. And it's like, dude, bitch... He's been or she's been fighting you fighting this type of weapon since she was probably four years old. She's a Mando. Like, yeah. come on. She knows how to use a fucking stick. Yeah. Um, but also he has the force, which is not fair. Which um, is not fair. But just And they make it clear. They make it clear multiple times. Yeah, Both Ezra times. and um Kanan make it clear that like her not having the force is a disadvantage. Right. When it comes to this. However, using the force, it's it kind of sucks because because Fenrau shows up and gives her these van braces that give her a one up. And then Kanan like fucking gets on her ass about that, too. Of like, you can't rely on these tricks, but like you're relying on the force, Kanan. That's yeah. also a trick. That's my thing is Kanan's wrong there. He's wrong. Right. So the whole thing is, and and Kanan's learning this too, and I feel like this is what the episode's about, is Kanan, Ezra, and Sabine are all learning here. Yes. All three of them are learning. Yes. And it's using the full potential of who you are to the best of your ability. 
Yeah, and you can't both... rely on any one skill. It's right. about like the culmination of being. But here's the thing: is Kanan and Ezra are both trying to make Sabine into what they feel like they are, and she's not. She's and a she's not that. Right, 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 right. And that's yes. real life. And that's what I love about this episode: is this episode isn't about Sabine learning to be a Jedi. No. This episode's about Sabine using the dark saber to the full capacity of who she is in the best way she could possibly do it, which is what real life is. Like yes. Gary, you could be like, I want to be the best podcaster that Tim is. Yeah. And it's not going to happen. It's Tim, not gonna... You and I are not Scott Corelli and Nick Jimenez. It's not going to happen. Uh, I'm both of them. No, I'm <laughs> no, 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 no. But that's the, that's the point of this episode to be. Yeah, is no, like we I, talk, I think we, I agree we with you. We spent a good 35 minutes talking about the other things that I was talking about, about, like, what the messages are. And this episode's about Sabine learning to be the best possible wielder of the Darksaber that she could possibly be, which is not like any of the other people trying to teach her to wield the Darksaber. This is the thing that I love about Fed Rao in this episode. Uh-huh. Is that he gives her... These van braces. He, like, offers her something to help her, like, figure out her place. But he's not pushy about it. Right. And then when she finally does pick up the Darksaber and Kanan is, is, recognizes that he's wrong and is willing to, like, like, teach her the, the com lightsaber on lightsaber combat... When she does stumble and Ezra tries to stand up, he holds Ezra back to be like, no, she needs to figure this out herself. There's no word spoken. He can just like anticipate the thing that she's she's stumbling over and recognizes that she needs to come to her feet on her own. Right. So she which is, I think, what everyone else has been struggling with. Right. Like. Fen Rao can see the potential it's that a she combo. has. It's a combo, right? Because Fen Rao gives her the things to remind her of who she is. And yes. that's the Van Bracer. That's the Van Bracer. Yes. It's like, look, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. Stop These trying are to the be, things that'll give you an edge against a Jedi. Stop trying to be a... No, stop trying to be a Jedi. You're not yeah. a Jedi. You're not be a, a Jedi. M- be you. Be a Mandalorian. Uh, which I is love Fen Rao. I didn't realize it's been a long time. I'm not this far in my rewatch. Yeah, but 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 Fen Rao's reminding her. I had to her, like Google him. Even at if the Fen Rao was to be like, who is this guy again? Even if Fen Rao was an asshole and just wanted her to like deliver Mando from the Republic or whatever or the Empire, yeah. and wanted her to. He's reminding her. His purpose is to remind her who she is. And he's who not, she is, is she's, she's the whole reason she's on the ghost right now is she's like, I'm not a Mandalorian. I'm not with my family. I did we, things that I don't, um, can we talk about with. her admission here? Like the, yeah. I think that this is the first time this is, we, this is the first time we get a real solid idea of Sabine's backstory separated from um, the like, oh, she was in the Imperial Academy. I would disagree that it's left. solid, but it's it's a more of an idea. Uh, true. We're going to get more of it yeah, in yeah. the future in the show. In the next couple episodes, we'll get more. Um, 
But she she mentions I'm a disgrace, I'm a traitor, all that. She says that in this. It, it's not even. It's not even that she sees herself as a traitor or a disgrace or whatever, but she understands that her family sees her that way and that Mandalore sees her that way because she went to the Imperial Academy and she was a weapons tech, which is like something that would be vitally important for the Mandalorians if the Mandalorians were not beholden to... had not been beholden to the Empire. And the weapons that she created ultimately ended up being used to fuck over Mandalore and like destroy the planet and wipe out the opposition and give the empire a hand over the people that she loves and cares about and, and whatever. And so she admits to Kanan in this fight that she left because she felt responsible for the deaths of these people and knew the empire would continue to take advantage of her but her leaving looks like a betrayal. It looks like to the rest of Mandalore that she delivered these awful weapons to the Empire so that they could destroy Mandalore. And then she ran away from that responsibility. Right. Which we learned more fucked about her family. In the next... It fucked her planet. It it's an awful thing. Like, I know we didn't watch the next episode for this pod, but like when we do meet her family, she has this this sort of moment where she has to come to terms with the fact that, like, regardless of her intentions, th- the rest of the planet now sees her clan as fallen because of her failure. And it sucks. It's... It's an awful position to be in, and I don't fault her for leaving. Um, but it is ultimately the thing that is going to help redeem Clan Ren in the end that she has returned home and stood up against Gar Saxon and the Empire as a whole. Right. So, with regards to this episode. Yes. Um, we don't really get a lot of that. We don't get get a lot of, like, her family Yeah, stuff. we she literally only get her venting. Right. During this fight. It's like basically like you don't know Ezra is basically what she get. And so uh, after the whole uh, Fenral stuff and, you know, she learns a little bit. There's a whole like, okay, teach me to learn the Darksaber with you, Kanan. Yeah. And that's the whole part well, where it's like, okay, yeah, that's now where a lot of this learning. comes out. She, so she gets like fed up with the fact that from her perspective, Kanan is holding her back or is not giving her enough credit. Is not putting enough faith which in her he, or whatever. Which he has admitted to to Hera in the scene previously, right? It's like, and then I'm eventually apologizes to, to her. Right, right. They but both but, have but this previous mutual... to this, he, he yes. admits to Hera, look, I'm trying to be more cautious because I've seen Ezra's oh, fucking up. Yeah. Um there's, so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna chill out a little bit with, with There's a really good line here where 
he says to Hera that the reason that he's not pushing her further is that he is worried that because she can't find balance, the, the Darksaber is going to cause her more harm than good. It's, it's going to lead to her hurting herself. And Hera tells him, no, she's already hurt. Like, the hurt that she is feeling is more devastating than anything the blade could cause. And you not giving her, not trusting her enough to use it is only furthering her doubt. Do you agree with his sentiment in general? Like, let's not, let's not say like specifically with this person, but if you were trying to teach someone something that is in its nature, a offensive thing that can hurt people. And you're like, oh, me not teaching this person will cause this person to hurt more people. Do you feel like you would teach someone the thing to hurt more people like more effectively? Because I feel like what Hera is saying by its nature is dangerous. It's interesting because the way that I took this comment from Kanan was that he was not worried that she was going to use the blade to cause harm to others, but it was going to cause harm to herself. And I think that by denying herself the chance to overcome it, he was holding her back from coming to terms with this whole thing that she's struggling with. However, there's a pivotal moment that happens as a result of this, because when they do finally cross blades and she gains the upper hand, there is very clearly a moment where she could have just struck Kanan down in her anger. And... Which we knew was never going to be the case. It's not like the rebels. It's not like Jedi. You're right. You're right. But if this wasn't a children's show. Even still. It doesn't fit her character to be. It doesn't fit her character. It doesn't fit her character, but I think that his. There is a moment here where his hesitation may have been valid and she proves to I think that his doubt in her is misguided and maybe it's because like I don't know have we seen Ezra has Ezra already used the force to like make that stormtrooper shoot his fellow stormtrooper like I don't recall I don't remember when the, like, darkness of Ezra starts to, like, show I, its its features. Can I just say that while I don't think that Kanan's distrust or unconfidence was ever worthy in Sabine, because I've always thought Sabine was the coolest and most badass yeah. character of the Rebels I since day one. Um, that said, his method of teaching here elicits more response than Sabine's ever given given in the previous 
two and a half seasons that we've gotten here. You're not wrong. And she opens up more than we've ever gotten. So in that respect, we have much more of an effective uh, teacher. Uh, I don't think it was on purpose. Uh, I don't think Kanan is that good a teacher. I think, spoilers, should he not die in the next season and a half, um, he would be a great teacher going forward because he would learn from this. There is something happening here, Mm -hmm. right? Because, like, I think we see a side of Kanan in this confrontation's too strong of a word, but, like, in this crossing of blades that we haven't seen before. Because when he is, like, very clearly has the upper hand, doesn't have his lightsaber even lit, is just using the force to, like, move out of the way of her blade and is, like, pushing her to the side in the way that, like, Vader and Reva fight happened. Right. Um... He's, it feels like he's very deliberately provoking her, which is the thing that eventually leads her to opening up. And I feel like that's kind of a shitty method of teaching. It's, it proves to be effective in this moment, but like. I I will disagree with you. Okay. I think once she opens up, she's going to realize what Kanan was doing. And she's going to know it wasn't. That's how she gains the upper hand. What's up? But she does. Well, she, she, as soon as she, he starts provoking her and pushing at her and being kind of an asshole to her. This is when she gets angry enough to gain the upper... It's her anger that allows her to gain the upper hand in this So the upper hand isn't the goal here, though. No. It's not like, let's figure out how you can get the upper it's hand. It's a catharsis. It's not even the catharsis. It's like, let's learn something about you. Do you think he's doing it to probe for... Like, is he doing it for his benefit of gaining knowledge of her or is he doing it to allow her to open up? Neither, a hundred percent. It's it's the second one, kinda, but okay. it's to open up to herself. Sure. Because these are things, the things that she says at the end of this episode. About, there are things that she's been holding on to that she has um, not put words to for a long time. She's not time. putting words to, and she when she's talking about her family. So okay, let's just let's just lay this out there for the audience yeah. in case you haven't watched the episode. She says that she left because uh, she joined the Imperial Academy and she had to build weapons, and she didn't agree with the weapons, and she left to save everybody, including her mother and her brother and everybody, anyone in her immediate family. She left because she didn't want these weapons to be used on them and all that. Mm-hmm. So. This is a catharsis, and I genuinely feel like this is a thing that she's never said to anybody. Um, yeah. And these things that she's saying right now is more like Kanan's not trying to figure stuff out. Kanan's trying to get her to tell herself what's happening. Um, Because 
she may like understand like yeah that's why i left but that's never a thing that she's talked she said out loud yeah um, there is something to like putting words to the thing have you i don't know if you've ever had that thing where you've like i you're you it's a unconscious thought that you've told yourself for your entire life or a good chunk of your life for maybe a decade or so and it's like once you say the thing you put you're like, words to it oh this is what i've believed for the last decade of my life and once i say mm. that thing out loud it's like i can mm. do something with that whether that be live by it or whether that be oh this thing that i've pledged myself to for the last decade is actually bullshit then i can i can get rid of it or i can work to fight against it or whatever but that's what sabine i feel like is doing at the end of this episode if i don't want to be disparaging of kanan but i don't think he's a smart enough of a teacher to have done this intentionally i don't disagree with you I don't think like, the things that... Like, I think that, you're right. I think that, like, if he had survived longer, this is something you could take Kanan, to heart and use in so the future. So Kanan, as a rule, yeah. is doing what his master did, but he's oh. performing the motion. He's not oh. doing it as a, I know why I'm doing this. And I think that, as a rule, in the show... That's what he's doing. No, I think you're correct. I think you're totally correct. Um, because as 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 I'm watching the show for the first time, well, not for the first time, as I'm re-watching it for the first time in a long time, one of the things that happens, one of the first lessons he teaches Ezra is like, do or do not, there is no try. And Ezra immediately questions that. And he's like, I don't know, Yoda used to say that. Right. So... The thing is, is that method hits more than it misses, right? Because he's remembering the things that he learned. He doesn't know the macro of it, but he's giving the right lessons, even if he doesn't know why he's giving those lessons. Um, Because his training wasn't ever done. He was finished when he was, what, 11 or 12? Yeah. Um. And I think God, that fits with Kanan. So I think too. I think that finished that that fits Kanan perfectly. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Um and so yeah, even right now, he's giving a lesson that is a hundred percent correct. He needs to Sabine needs to know this. Does but I don't Kanan think he does did Kanan intentionally back, Kanan backed into yeah. it. A hundred percent he backed into it and it was it worked. It's perfect. This doesn't mean he's dumb. It doesn't mean he this doesn't know what he's his... doing. It's just he's yeah. he's figuring it out as he goes. And that's what it's I love about Kanan because too. Because this sort of recontextualizes like this is not this is not something he's doing because he's trying to draw a lesson out of her. This is almost an admission the the awful things he says to her in this episode. Uh in I don't think he fight, says anything truly awful. Not no, but like like the provoking things he says is almost more of a result of his own. It's almost a reflection of his own hesitation to, to teach her 
in the like 20 minutes that leads up to this fight. So it's episode. it's both. So one of the things I love I do love about both Kanan and Ezra and you you touched on it earlier is yeah. that Ezra's trying to learn to be a Jedi. Kanan doesn't know how to be a Jedi. No. He never he was he on never a learned. he never passed his So trials. it's legitimately most of the shows both of them learning together. Yeah. And they say there's stages of teaching, right? There's the where you learn. You learn by hearing and doing. And then you learn by, okay, I'm going to only do this. And then the, the the final stage of learning a thing is teaching it. Yeah. Right? So you're actually, so in in the case of Ezra and Kanan through the entire show of Rebels, you have Ezra learning to be a Jedi and also Kanan learning to be a Jedi. But they're at just different stages of that mm-hmm. learning. Um, They've been doing it for different lengths of time, and right. there is a consequence of that. Right. And so that's why, I okay, not to bring it back every episode. So take a shot every time we bring up Last Jedi uh, in this show. Um, but Luke Skywalker, we we rarely see him get to do that final part of teaching. Of that final part of learning, I should say, where yeah. he's teaching. Uh, and Last Jedi, we get to see him do that. But I would love to see stuff in, you know, uh, him doing Jedi Academy stuff where he's learning to teach. Because that's the final part of being a Jedi. Um, yeah. And that's the fin- final part of mastery is, okay, like, let's say, so like right now, you know English. You've spoken English your entire life. Could you teach English? And that's the final part of mastering it is like, I know English. I can speak English. It's second thought. Could I teach it to somebody who has no idea what it is? That's the final part of mastering that skill. Yeah, I don't have the language for teaching. But that's the thing is once you finally know how to teach it, then you completely understand it. That's the thing that's and that's what that's what Kanan's learning for Luke. And that's what Kanan's learning. Like and we we watch Kanan learn it and he gets better and better and better and better and better. Which we watch I, which Kanan is what I love. learn it up until spoilers. His end, his yeah. story's end, spoilers. Yeah. Um but I think he's better Whereas for to Luke, be honest, the thing that I find fascinating here okay. is that for Luke like he fails. Right, but that's what Last Jedi is about. Yeah, yeah, I know it is, but like, ah. Uh. But here's my thing is, I feel like in this episode, Kanan is learning that. Kanan has yeah. experimented with what God, teaching Ezra's I, like. And he's trying he a different has, aspect of it. And like, I think he succeeds better. Hera. Right, and Hera's teaching him too. Yeah. So Hera says, like, look, no, you got to let her do her thing because he he was a little too open with Ezra and then he was a little too strict with Sabine. Right. Yeah. And there's like a balance that needs to be found there. And I think by the end of this, he teaches it to Sabine and Sabine opens up and Sabine opens up and not only learns, but teaches Kanan. Mm-hmm. And Kanan's like, oh, I see everyone's coming from a different Spot. We learn about 
uh, Sabine's backstory with her with the Empire and leaving the the family, and how much the dark saber means to her. Um, yeah. And that's when Kanan says the Empire rules with fear. Your family's you know trapped. Um, they're in a prison of their own making. And he doesn't even say, well, they're 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 in a prison That's by the Empire's language making. He uses. But he doesn't say we're gonna help them. He says it's up to you. Yeah. Which yeah, is Yeah, and it's beautiful because like if we do go that step further, the next episode is her going home. And freeing her family from the oppression of Gar Saxon. And then deciding that, no, my place is here with my family. And she doesn't go back to the ghost crew. She stays with Clan Ren. Right, but before that happens, Fen Rao says, I'm standing next to you. Ezra says, I'm going to stand next to you. Uh, and Kanan says, "You have my bow. You have my yeah, axe. Yeah, you we have, have my sword." And Kanan says, "This family." He literally says, "This family is with you." This, it's so. It's not about they're teaching her. It's not about the what? family. We're we're here with you, which is important. So the first person to say it is Fenrau, the Mandalorian, right? Because the Mandalorian side is with you, and then the second person to say it. Is Ezra, Ezra the Jedi, right? So you have the Mandalorian and the Jedi, and they're both behind her. It's and that's when Kanan says, "Hey, no matter what you do, your family family is behind you." And so that's when she knows that she has a strength, and she has the the power of both sides uh, to go take back her homeworld. It's so good, but yeah. So I just think. I don't know. That's what I mean. Is you, when Star Wars is at its best, it's saying something. Do you? And that's have, the that's the episode, guys. By the way, that's the end of the episode. Do you have any specific hopes? Like I know that this is like a very specific episode to like draw inference from without the context of the rest of season three and four. But like, we know that Sabine is going to be in the Ahsoka series. Right, right. So you're asking me for hopes for Ahsoka. It feels pretty clear that that show is going to be about the, the, the season five of rebels. It feels like season five of rebels. Uh, Do you have any specific Hopes for Sabine. No Darksaber. It's in Mando's hands. Right. It's in, it's so in please Din's don't, hands now. Don't I don't want them to fight. Don't give it back. Nothing. No, um, I think I think we're probably going to see at, at some point uh coming to blows. Honestly, my only between hope. Between him and Bo, uh, and I is, don't think it's gonna go well. Carry on the character and give her new hair. That's my give her new hair. That's my only. No, she thing. absolutely has to have new hair. Right. That's my only hope for Sabine. Uh, other than that, I, I completely trust in Filoni to take her in an awesome direction uh, because it's his baby. Favreau, Favreau 
at D23 called this Filoni's magnum opus. Uh, and I Ahsoka? Yeah. Or Rebels. Okay. Ahsoka. I believe it. I think I do too. It's a culmination of... We'll see it. Um... 15 years work i'm i'm hoping that they have an end in mind for not just um ahsoka but also mando like please just give us a, a resolution a resolution of all of this um yeah i i don't want this like i'm really worried about like eternalism it's American it, television, right? Once yeah. we find something that hits, we got to make it until it's terrible. Yeah, um, and I don't want that. I want like an ending and then a passing of the baton onto something new. Right. Um. So, yeah, that's kind of what I hope is give me one or two episodes max of Ahsoka. Um, no more. Um, <laughs> and I'm one... Season three of Mando and maybe season four, depending on how season three ends, but no more. Um, and then maybe one up, one more season of Boba. But after that, be done, please. That's my that's my hope. And I hate oh, that I'm as a so Star Wars fan. I'm so curious if we're going to get more. I'm so curious if we're going to get more Boba. We're gonna, I feel like we're going to get one more episode. I thought I thought I heard somewhere we're going to get one more season. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um. I love them. I love every character that I just mentioned. I love them so much. Yeah, me too. But please just like have an ending and then go do something else. Yeah, I think I think I think in the like you said, in the way of American television of like we're going to tell we're going to milk this for all it's worth for as long as we can is to the detriment of the show Almost and the always. character. Almost always it's like that. Um, But yeah, I just feel like there's so many stories that could be told. And I feel like we're we're starting to get some like skeleton crew. That's yeah, a great that's, idea. See, um, I think that this is like the reason that Clone Wars and Rebels worked is that both of them had a definite ending. Like you can't tell stories beyond this point. You must wrap up here. And I don't feel like any of the things that are happening in live action right now have that point because the ending is 25 years away. Right. And, and that just means you could do shit until it fails. Yeah. And it's, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. So, yeah, uh, I'm excited. I think the actress they got for Sabine. Yeah. Uh, I'm looks great. She looks great. Um, uh, but I hope it does well. I'm sure it will be, just great. Um, Very excited about the casting announcement for Ezra Natasha Bridger. Lou Bordizo is her yeah. name. She looks perfect, in my opinion. She looks fantastic. Um, Ezra is Amon Your Esfandi? boy? The one that, that... So, did you tell that on the podcast, or did no. you... No, I didn't. Okay. Uh, maybe it's, I did. It's, it's I out. It's I out did. now, so we can say it's it. It's out now, so I can tell this story. So yeah. at San Diego Comic-Con, I was working the Disney publishing booth in the Star Wars Pavilion. 
And on my second to last day there, this would have been Saturday. Yeah, we will say an unspecified person who worked on the the Ahsoka show. There was a gentleman who came into the booth who had his face painted like Ahsoka Tano. (laughs) And I told him, oh, my God, I love your face paint. Like Ahsoka is one of my favorite characters. And his response was, oh, yeah, I work on the series like I am a costume designer and a painter and i work on like the armor for these characters and whatever and we talked for a little bit and during that conversation he showed me uh some photos behind the scenes of like the armor sets he was working on but he also showed me like characters in costume like actors uh doing costume tests And he told me then, and I shared it in the Dueling Genre uh, uh, Discord uh, behind a spoiler wall, that that Amanis Fondi was going to be playing Ezra Bridger, and I did not believe him. I was like, he looks the part. First of all. This was in May. Uh, No, June. June. Uh, Comic-Con was June. No. No, uh, it was Comic-Con, not Celebration. It was Celebration. No, it was not Celebration. It was at San Diego Comic-Con because I was at the Disney Star Wars booth, not at the Mysterious Galaxy one. July? It was at July. It was only like two months ago. It wasn't that long ago. So maybe he knew the announcement was coming. Told me that this actor was going to be playing Ezra Bridger. And I was like skeptical because it was very much a like, this hasn't been announced I don't think you're allowed to tell me this. Like, all these things. I had never heard of this man before. He looked the part, but, like, I don't know anything that this this actor has worked on. I, I, whatever. And so when the announcement finally happened last week, I, it was like a mind-blowing moment of, like, oh, my God, this guy... This guy was serious. I had privileged information like two months ago. Um, but I'm excited. Like it's it's just having like actual from from the company confirmation that this character is going to be in the series that we're going to see Ezra again and, and in live action makes me really excited. Um, yeah, you're right. It was July 23rd. It was coming. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, I don't know, I. Doubling down on the fact that I have this Phoenix Squadron tattoo, like. These characters mean so much to me, Tim, and rewatching the show only reaffirms, like, how I feel about this series and this crew, and I am just hopeful that the Ahsoka show lives up to the sort of, like, resonant place that I hold for To be for honest, cast in my... um, I love Ashley Eckstein. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I love her as young Ahsoka and going up there, but I almost prefer Rosario Dawson uh, 
to Rebels Ahsoka. Yeah. If I mean, that makes sense. I don't no, know what it is I... about it, but uh, I prefer Ashley Eckstein Ahsoka in Clone Wars. Um, all the way up to fighting Maul think... in season seven. Um, but I don't know what it is. I just feel like the adult Ahsoka is the Rosario Dawson. One. I don't uh, know. Rosario what it... Dawson. I, I, I mean, there's like a couple things here, right? Like, on the one hand, you get to see the physical performance, but also, like, I think that. I think that Dawson really brings. I feel like gravitas is too strong a word. But it's like, just a different. It's just different. it's a bearing. It. It. I. I think it really has to do with like the way that she carries herself on screen. For at least for me, like there is a deliberateness to every motion. Hmm. Yeah, and we'll that see. I really respect about Ahsoka, and about the way Rosario Dawson portrays her. But also, so, yeah. I will never forgive the fact that that Book of Boba Fett just like, nope, Ahsoka and Luke just know each other now. We're not going to see that meeting. We don't get to see them talk about his past or her dad, his dad. Or anything like that. They just... It happened off screen. For now. For now. I don't... Everything that you see is for now. Yeah. Yeah, I guess the whole... The way Star Wars franchise works is it's just constantly filling in gaps. You create a space and then you fill it. Right. But But it's frustrating. So, yeah. Anyway. Anyway. That is... Uh, what Trials is of the Dark Saber. Trials of the Dark Saber. That's in um season three of Rebels. Yep, season three episode. What? 15? I had it up. I had it up. Seventeen. Anyway, Trials of the Dark Saber. Uh, Rebels season three. Great episode. One of my favorites in the entire show. That's four season show. You're right. Sorry, it was fifteen. Um. So it's entered in the archives. Uh, so we did it. Yeah. Thank you for uh, joining us on this deep dive. It was a rare deep dive where we spent an hour and almost 30 minutes on talking about one one 20 minute episode of uh, Rebels. Uh, But uh, thank you. If you have listened this far, Uh, we very much appreciate it. If you haven't listened this far, screw you. Um, But you didn't hear this. Because you didn't listen this far. Um, but, um, Everyone else can know our disdain. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Uh, if you like us, and you... Clearly, if you've been listening this far, you do like us. Um, please uh, join the Discord. Um, please uh, follow us at NR Archives Pod on Twitter. At yeah. the New Republic Archives... No, at New Republic Archives on Instagram. Um and just chat with us. Uh follow everyone on the on the uh dealing genre uh dot com website. A lot of yeah. cool uh uh shows on that site. Um so many. 
once again, uh, I will be on an upcoming episode of Franchiseography. It's going to be a while. Like um, four months. <laughs> shut up, Gary. <laughs> uh, but I'll be there. Um, that that show in general though is great. Uh, Nick. No, it's it's fantastic. I'm I not going to say Nick and Scott are better at what they do than we are. Uh, no, no. So I'm not going. I'm not going to say anything then. Um, <laughs> except they are. <laughs> but uh, love Nick and Scott. Uh, yeah, for real though. Um, and that's just a great. Uh, I believe right now it is uh, Jurassic Park. They're doing Jurassic Park right now. Yeah, they. Um, I don't know if this is going to be a consistent thing for franchiseography, but they dropped the Jurassic Park stuff on the Patreon early, and so folks who are patrons had gotten to hear those episodes like a while back. Um, so I would highly recommend if you're interested in like bonus content or like early releases, please subscribe to the Patreon. Um, doing John Arts Night is always a fun time. That's like a show that I've been on multiple times and always really enjoy doing. Yeah. Doing John Arts Night is much more like this show Yeah, where we're like, I mean, not this where we do the, the deep dives, but more like the Bantha episodes where we like talk more about what's happened happened recently this is what happened in the last you know few weeks Uh like we'll we'll talk about what happened last week what we think about what we've been watching what we've what we've been reading all that sort of thing also i i mean we've got like two months until this happens but like uh dueling uh uh, dueling patreon also has deep dives into like movies and television series and things and so when Andor wraps up in much the same way that when Obi-Wan wrapped up, Tim and I will be doing an episode over there talking about Andor. And, and we might uh, bring one of your like favorite a, dueling genre hosts on that one as well. That's going to be like a three hour episode. I already feel it. No, I, I don't think there's going to be anything to talk about in this show. Tim, Tim, we talked about Obi-Wan for two episodes for two hours and it was half the number of episodes that we're right but this is this is andor will be like yeah he was a spy he did bad thing (laughs) there i just did the whole episode right there i edit edit that you can put that at the end in the patreon no i'll go i'll go a little more in depth for the patreon i'm sure you will i know you're way more excited about this than you were for i'm very hyped for this show um god it's gonna be so good we got three episodes two 12 next total week, episodes. Next week? Tim, before the next Bantha episode, we're going to have the first episodes of this show. I'm also going to have watched the uh, Obi-Wan remaster. But anyway, that's a teaser for next Bantha episode. Uh, if you guys would like us to talk about anything on the Bantha uh, episode, please at us on Twitter yeah, at NRCast, uh Pod or uh, jump on the Discord at DoolingShawn.com. Yeah. Uh, and in the meantime, yeah, yeah. please remember if it's not in the archives, it doesn't exist. We're both recording, right?
I'm I've been recording, but okay. I'm at like I, twelve minutes on my recording. Let's say I won't smile. say I, I I didn't talk shit about our fearless leaders. I was more jealous about our fearless leaders. Yeah, no, I I uh the the anger and... the anger at Scott and Nick was purely it's, out of it's a yeah professional jealousy. It was professional jealousy out of <laughs> Scott and Nick. Like they have their shit together. We clearly do not. Could and you I, imagine recording episodes for January right now in September? I can't imagine consuming Couldn't that much Star me. Wars in general. Couldn't be me. Couldn't be me. Uh, I, I love Star Wars. I literally, um, you can put this at the end. I don't care. Uh, but I literally was just at a trivia thing. Yes. Uh, and talking about how much I loved Last Jedi with a random yes. dude I just met tonight. Yes. Um, love this. But yeah, I'm, I'm spreading the gospel. I had a really um, good moment. Uh, at the bookstore last week where um, a group of dudes came in. They were like probably college students, right? Like around that age. And one of them had been reading all the higher public stuff and everybody else was like fans of the movies and things, but hadn't really consumed any books. And between the two of us, we sold their friends, like, all the High Republic books and, like, a handful <laughs> of others. I sold this guy a stack of, like, seven Star Wars books, and I was so proud. He's going to be so mad. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to, like, the, the thing the thing for me, like, even as a bookseller, like, perpetually just behind on Star Wars content. I have, like, six books to read right now that have come out in the last, like, three months and I'll never get to, I'll never get to them. Like, maybe I'll read a couple of them, but I'm not going to read them all because I can't. And then we're like two months away from the next higher public adult novel. And it's going back in time another 150 years, Tim. Like, I don't. I'm hyped for that shit, by the way. It's going to be great. Fucking. I'm so excited. Uh, Zerati Cordova's Convergence is going to be a very fascinating time for like the higher public era, I think. Let's keep going back further. While while we're not um, talking about the thing we're supposed to talk today, yes. Can I show you? Uh, Please, I see you on. Oh my god! Oh my god! It's your droid. I love your droid. This is R six T two. Okay, I asked you in the Dueling Genre Discord, yeah. and you said no. I said no at that time. Uh, I'm willing to tell you now. May uh, I ask you? You may. Now you may. Why? 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 Why R sixty two? R six T two, um R because that's the type of droid he is. He's an R droid. Yes. He's an R series droid. Um, six and two because that was my number when I played football in high school. Oh. T because it sounds like sixty two, but also yes. because my name is Tim. Oh, that's cute. See, I thought the T was like six T two, sixty two. You know, it works both ways. It works both so ways. So it was like it was one of those things. I've heard it both ways. Um, I made him, uh, listeners, you cannot see him, but he is red and white primarily, but he's got some blue and black accents. Uh, my goal with him was that he looked like he was patched together. Like there, he wasn't made off the factory line. Yeah, because he's got different parts of different... He's got a little blue on one side and a little black on the other. Oh, I love that. It's not like... 
it's, perfect. Yeah, oh. he, there's parts of him that yeah. are matched, but also parts of him that don't. Uh, I love that. I wanted him to kind of look like he was, uh, you know, a misfit. Like, not quite yeah. off the factory line. Um, like father, like son. Exactly. I'm not quite off the factory line. <laughs> um, anyway. Anyway, we should start uh, This is, yeah, we'll put this at the end. Uh, Gary, I'm giving you so much to edit tonight. It's fine. I'm going to edit it tomorrow because I have a different edit to do tonight. Good. Anyway.